I'm kind of hanging over the dugout and Dusty's in the dugout and I go, hey Dusty, uh, like, like I'm like a little kid. I'm like, hey Dusty, uh, please, can I get a, can I get an autograph? And he's so he's, he's like, yeah, sure, no problem, buddy. And so he puts his hands out and like, I'm, I'm trying to hand him the glove instead of throwing it. And this is what he says to me, you ready? He goes, win big rotoballer.com's NFL premium pass. Are you ready to dominate your season long in DFS leagues? Rotoballer's NFL premium pass and draft kit includes rankings, projections, and cheat sheets for all formats. Get exclusive draft articles, DFS tools, lineup optimizers, and premium Slack chats. Join in on the winning and take 50% off on any premium pass. Use the promo code FRA, F-R-A for another 10% discount. Just visit rotoballer.com radio, sign up today, and start rotoballing like a boss. Welcome to the Fantasy Jones. I'm Carlos Marion. Alongside me is Dan Arachi, Hammy Tex. Buenas Sera. And we have none other than Frank Amarante, our fantasy expert. Fra, how are you doing tonight? What's up? We're inching closer to the season. Can't wait. I could feel the hype for our home league draft at my last draft of the season. Uh, so much buzz around our friends and uh, we've seen some trades. I can't wait to discuss them and discuss the players that were involved. Frank, how many drafts have you done so far? Oh, shitload. Oh, oh that's not fair. What's this about? <laughs> Here I am playing around with mock drafts. This guy's full on. I haven't done one mock draft yet. I'll be honest with you guys. I tried to do one. It auto-drafted first pick, and then that was the end of the mock draft. Yeah, you get frustrated with it. Yeah. Well, because I was trying to pick like, okay, I don't have any of these players. I have an outfielder though, yeah. so I'll take Juan Soto. Yeah. And then it just... Uh, that's so you wanted to mimic draft. your team because we have a keeper league, so you can't just do the mock draft as if it was a redraft. You have to just kind of try to mimic the team by taking an outfielder if you have a keeper outfielder first. So you took Soto. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. But there's another problem too, because I did that and uh, I have Vladdy and Tatis. So obviously I wasn't going to be able to get both of them. But I took Freeman and Tatis instead of, and then I took the rest of my keepers. But the problem is I don't have the picks either. I don't have picks in the first and second round. So it's still, even if you get the keepers right, which I kind of did, then I don't have the same picks. It's all different. So I just, I got to the second, third round. I said, you know what? I'm just going to go fresh into this draft. Yeah, it's hard for It's hard to do a mock draft on Yahoo with us as this keeper league. It, uh It'd be nice if you could customize these mock drafts more. Maybe I think on fan tracks, but I'll have to check for you. Well, that'd be something we could do on a separate basis. Obviously, I don't think we have time to do that in the next week. But if we did it ourselves and did like a mock draft of what we expected to go on in the first couple rounds, at least, you know, that would be something that uh, our buddies would all, you know, they would just comment about, about it all, all week. It would just be the talk of the town. I was thinking about spending $14.99 on Draft Wizards because they said that you can set up your own mock draft on that. But I thought otherwise. Yeah, those things are cool because even when, while you draft, like let's say it's a roto league where you, you really need to make sure your team is balanced. It will it will tell you what you need, like what you project for. Maybe you're, you're projecting low on steals. So maybe this round you should take a guy that could steal a bit more and things like that. But that means less for our home league because we're in head-to-head, -head, so you could punt categories, no problem. Mm -hmm. It's just a different approach. Yeah, and I feel like that's a little bit like R2-D2. Mm. Yeah. You have the, you have the uh, computer helping you out with everything? 
That's why I suggest this, Frank. You should uh, talk to some higher ups about this bad boy. You should get yourself involved with some, like just like the richest of the rich and their fantasy drafts, and just say, yeah, pay me five hundred bucks. I'll be there, ripping on all your teams or saying like a goal pick for pick. Every time a pick would happen, you just kind of comment, and it'll be it live. It feel real. And uh, it's not like those stale ones that you get on Yahoo where, oh, looks like you got the sixth pick. Well, <laughs> Frank, speaking of the higher ups, you said you did a shit ton of drafts. How much money are you into pools this year for baseball? How much like how much you spent on all these drafts you've done so far? Just <laughs> <laughs>, laughs. Uh, uh, no, a little bit of change, chump change, a little little chunk of Is money. Is it more or less? Than the pot that we have in our pool, our home, more or less than the pot in your pool. No, in our pool, no, it's less than that. It's okay, than so that. okay, so you're not that crazy. No, no, no. I just do a lot of these high stakes drafts to, uh, because, you know, compete with other writers and uh, stay on top of the player pool and talk some shit if I win, especially yeah, on yeah. Twitter. Just good to stay involved, especially so throughout the year it helps even when you're creating content you know because you're always looking up players even even in slower parts of the year but uh yeah when you play in with all these other analysts uh you you got to stay on top of it so that's a good idea to keep and our track. own pool is pretty good for that everyone kind of stays on top of it but i feel like it, it's an added advantage to be with all these writers because they're even this is their job right like you said it provides a bunch of content for you on twitter and everything else and yeah, so everybody's on top of it. So it gives you even uh, even more of a bigger edge in our pool because you see somebody pick someone up. You're like, who's this guy? You research and then you go grab yeah. him and then uh, you got a keeper for the next year. Yeah, exactly. It does give me an edge in the home league for sure. But that goes back to what you were saying in the group. Well, we were saying how I used to rip on everyone's picks and all that talking shit. But now I feel like I shouldn't do that. It feels stupid doing that. Like, obviously... Like if I'm spending all this more time on it because I do it for for work, it, it's kind of stupid to make fun of people who are like, like me. They who haven't know anything. No, it, it would be stupid because obviously I would I might know a little bit more on certain players about like certain information, not knowing more about baseball. I mean, like certain stats that point towards a specific player. So it'd be stupid for me to rip on people's teams. Because I spend all this time on it. Frank, that's beautiful. Frank is evolving before our very eyes, guys. See, for me, uh, what I like about our pool is everybody has different keepers, but everyone has a slightly different opinion on how to create their team. So, like, I feel like more so in your leagues with the people, like the writers and stuff, and the people who actually are studying this, like you said, for their job, you guys... Um, I'm not going to say, I mean, you know more, but you know the stats better, more like we're just looking at kind of, you know, the stats that matter in our, our league, like home runs, RBI runs, stolen bases. But since you have more of an intricate view, uh, you, you look at the pool from one lens and then like someone like me, who's more passive, who loves the game. I watch a lot of baseball, especially on my keepers. I'm looking at it from a different lens than you. I'm not going super deep into the analytics like you do like you know a lot you i i will concede you know way more than i do you, you study it way more than i do but 
And then someone else in the pool, maybe less or more than me, but we all have kind of our own way of trying to build a team. So I don't know how you feel about this, Frank, but how is our league in terms of um, quality of GMs? Because I know like Giampiero is a really good, I think he's probably the best GM, one of the guys in our league. I think he's one of the best GMs in our pool. So how's the quality of our pool in comparison to the pools that you do with all the other writers? Well, you're all very good at it. Your experience, you know, we've done this 15 years. Yeah. And I would say you could definitely compete with any of the best writers because some of them often, you know, there's some who are great at producing content, but they might not be the best fantasy players. It, It happens all the time. And a lot of these leagues with the writers are different, though, because they're roto. So Mm. it's not a like you have to create a balanced team. It's like creating a puzzle because if you're weak in steals, a lot of these leagues, you're not playing just to win your own league. You're playing for the overall prize at NFBC, which let's say you join a draft champions league. Uh, you're if you win your own small league, you win like a thousand dollars US. But if you win the overall prize, that's like fifth, like 30,000. So you try to win that one. Oh, okay. I see. And the only way you can win that is if you're balanced in every category. You can't go in there short on speed because you just won't be able to compete for that overall prize. So you always have to swing for the home run. So to summarize it, yes, you could definitely compete and def- our our the quality of our league is high. People know the player pool and then even on newer players that they might not know much about they'll get up to speed pretty quickly and they'll act quickly in picking them up. So it's always usually a great league. That's why it's my favorite. It's competitive. Everyone talks smack and uh, you know, we're really into it. So I can't wait for the draft. Yeah. We also get into it a lot on a daily basis where it's nonstop. Everyone's thinking about the team. Like we, when did it get just about a couple of weeks ago, it started to slow down the movement, but, before then it was people were still talking to it like during the off season hey are you still like i'm not i wasn't even back in the pool yet and i was still getting messages on in january oh you you got any uh keepers you want you got picks eh? give me give me some of those picks yeah there's a lot of passion in our pool Mm. and a lot everybody's doing their own day job but we spend a lot of time on this we all love it that's why i every year (laughs) if you go back to the comments because on our pool, there's the um, there's the archived leak, so you can go back all the way to the start of it. But you could also read the message boards. And if you go back like ten years, you always see me. Let's raise the entry fee, guys. We spend so much time on this. We're spending like twenty hours a week anyway. On top of our jobs, when we get home, we're all looking at it before bed. We all look at it in the morning before we go to work. Like the prize pool should be a little bit more than what it is. So every year, I'm always a proponent of raising it because I do, like you said, Frank. And Carlos, we all love it so much and we all actually have a deep passion for it. And there's obviously like we want to beat our friends and have the bragging rights. That's almost even more important than uh, than the money we win from it, I feel like at this point. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, it's been awesome seeing all these trades. We, we should discuss uh, your big trade that you made earlier this week. Uh, I can't wait to let the listeners know uh, who you've traded we're basically in our league to sum it up. We keep, we keep six players and it's an OBP league. So in the off season, we allow trading, you know, teams want to upgrade their keepers or, or shuffle the, the deck a little bit. So you two made a nice deal that I want to get into today. So tell us. Yeah. So I was looking for, I had four solid, well, decent keepers and 
I knew I had the likes of Al, um, Alex Bregman, huge and Anthony Rendon too, and also. Nolan Arenado. So I knew out of those players, for sure, the most I was going to get for was Arenado. So that's, I was trying to move him around, asked around, got very, very little offers. Or you asked around. I didn't even know you asked around. Well, I was asking around for Alex. People wanted Alex Bregman as opposed Mm. to Arenado. But then, you know, you came up with an offer. And uh, I don't know if you want to take it from here. Yeah, I'll I'll jump in. Yeah, so I was looking at Carlos's team. and I saw that it was a position of strength, the third base. And I saw that maybe his last keeper spot was a little bit light in comparison to the other keepers in the pool. So I, I had a, I had a few, my team, I was in first all season. And then uh, toward the end, I kind of fell off, but I had a bunch of good players. So I, I looked at the positions that Carlos needed and I wanted to make the most fair trade possible. So I offered him uh, at first, I offered him three keepers for Nolan Arenado because I've been targeting full for full transparency. I've been, targeting Arenado for the last five, six years. I just love the guy. I think that he's a star and I think that he, he's really good. He hits a lot of home runs and obviously in Colorado, he was hitting home runs and getting the most RBI in the league. So he was obviously coveted by everyone, but I feel like, uh, so sorry. So let me get back on topic. So I offered three keepers and Carlos said, what about if we do two keepers and a pick? And so those two keepers ended up being Joey Gallo, which I feel like, he could put up similar numbers to Nolan Arenado this year I, in that Yankees lineup with the short porch. I feel like that's a good possibility. And I also traded Carlos Rodon. And uh, when I said three keepers, Carlos came back with a counter offer and said, how about instead of three, we do two and a pick. And so we just worked that out. So we traded, he traded to me, Nolan Arenado. And I sent back Rodon and Joey Gallo with a ninth round pick with Carlos's last round pick coming back. All right. All right. So I want to start off with Joey Gallo because he's a a big piece in this trade, especially to let the listeners know, because in an average league, Joey Gallo is that player that everyone's scared to draft because they're so worried that he's going to just destroy their average. Like his floor, he could hit 198 and play all season because of his power. So that means he's getting all these plate appearances at such a garbage average. He's going to really destroy it. So in the leagues that I told you about where you need to be balanced everywhere, everyone seems to try to avoid uh, Gallo. But in our league, it's on base percentage. It's OBP. And Joey Gallo, out of any hitter in baseball, gets the biggest bump, in my opinion, in an OBP league. This is a power hitter who can walk. And he walks at such a high rate. Last year, he had an 18% walk rate. 18. So that's crazy. Take a look at this. Last year he hit 199. Yep. That's horrible for batting average. As low as you can possibly think of, that's what he did. His on base percentage was 351. That's it's solid. Insane. So it's so his worst attribute becomes a strength, basically. Or if like 351 isn't an elite OBP, but it's it's solid. And if he were to somehow hit, let's say, 230 instead of 199, that 351 OBP would look more like 380, and that's elite. Then you add on the fact that he's if he stays healthy for a full season, especially like you mentioned, that short porch at Yankee Stadium, he's a virtual lock for 40 home runs. He hit 38 last year. year before was a shortened year. year before that, he got injured. 
But the two years prior to that, he had 40 plus. So he's likely to hit that again. And he can give you five stolen bases. So it's a it's a great pickup in in, uh, in an OBP league for Carlos. And of course, I'll get to Arenado too. It is a fair deal overall. But uh, that's one thing with Gallo that if the listeners just heard, oh, Gallo, like, what well, were you so excited to trade him, especially as a keeper? Well, uh, it's a big deal in an OBP league. How do you think he stacks up against Nolan Arenado? Do you think that they can put up similar numbers or? Well, that was sorry, because that was kind of the thought process in my head. I was thinking of trying to make the most fair trade possible to Carlos. And I thought Joey Gallo would be somebody who would be close in production in, in our OBP league. Yeah. So the key thing here that I would say is their positions and that obviously outfield is the deepest position uh, in fantasy baseball. And this year in particular, third base is weaker than usual. A lot of people believe that. So that position scarcity helps you out in getting Arenado and that, that like balances the trade a little more. I, I say they're pretty close uh, in terms of pr- like Gallo should probably they'll be close in OBP. Like let, for example, Arenado had three, a three twelve OBP last year, but throughout his time in Colorado, it was always around 370, 360. Let's say he doesn't get to that range. Let's say he gets up to 340. So that's pretty much the same as what Gallo will likely do. Gallo's probably going to hit more home runs, but just by a bit. When you when you when you account for the fact that Arenado plays third base, it's pretty even. And then you traded Rodon, who I like. Uh, I like that he goes to the Giants. We talked about him last week. The Giants are a smart organization. They've really helped pitchers. We talked about how they helped Kevin Gossman and Logan Webb really break out. Uh, but he's an injury risk. Uh, we all know that, but it's a risk worth taking for Carlos. That if if it was just a two for one like that, you might say like, okay, considering the OBP league, maybe it's a bit better for Carlos. But we have to mention to the listeners that even though you traded two keepers for one, what happens is you just keep someone else from your existing list. It's not like you're going to have one fewer keeper. So who is the guy that you replaced like who, who was the other keeper after you? or no, or did you just wait, go for it. I, I'm, I'm not sure <laughs> for me or for Dan's team. No, no. Cause Dan gave up two keepers, right? Yeah. yeah and then he got one. So who's the other? So were you going to keep Gallo and rolled on, or was he just a side piece that you were going to trade for an asset? I was probably going to keep both of them, but I was deciding okay. between Abreu, Boz, uh, Shane okay. Boz and Gallo for my last keeper. So I figured I could trade if I trade Gallo, then I'll just keep either Boz or or Jose Abreu, and I bring in Nolan Arenado, especially because uh, we can move him to third base and Vladdy now is off third base. So I said, okay, I can bring him into the infield, and uh, like I said before, I've just been targeting Arenado for a long time, so I was happy to get him in any in any event. Okay, so I want to add to that. So that you kept Abreu, so yeah, it's not like you traded. Gallo and Rodon for Arenado and Abreu, but in a way, it's it sort of it sort of is a little bit. So that makes it really an even trade because now you keep Abreu. It's not like you lose those two, like that extra keeper for nothing. And Abreu, of course, has got that strong track record. He's hitting in a stacked White Sox lineup. I will say that he is probably better in average than um, OBP leagues. 
he gets a little bit of a hit and it's only because his OBP isn't as much of an asset as his average is because you look at his walk rate, it's never been double digits, been 9.3, 6.9%, 5.2. So if his average stays at 260, 270, his OBP is going to be around 340, which like 270 is probably better for average than 350 is for OBP, if that makes sense. It's a very yeah. slight downgrade, but he's still obviously, you know, very, very safe pick. Like he's not going to bust. Like what would it? The only way he'll bust for you is if he gets injured because Pause. he'll hit in the heart of that ridiculous lineup. He's going to approach 100 RBIs. He'll get over 80 runs. He's likely to hit 30 home runs. He's done that basically every year of his career. It's not like he's that old. What is he? He's 35. So he's a safe pick to uh, to add to your, your group of keepers. I like him too because he's batting third in that White Sox lineup. He's batting behind. Uh, he's batting in between Tim Anderson, uh, Robert. You have uh, Eloy there, Moncada, and Grandal. So uh, he's batting right in the middle of there. So his runs are going to be there. His RBI is going to be there. And his average at OBP is going to be there as well. So I like him. He's safe. Plus, he's the white bear. They call him the Orso Bianco. So he's, uh, he's awesome. <laughs> I, he's really, I, like I, I like him a lot. I like that nickname. <laughs> I did not know that. I might have had to swap him instead of gallo but <laughs> but i am happy i got gallo i'm happy that i got rodon especially because having a team where i just had uh for everyone to understand like i had zach wheeler uh randy rosarena and i'm blanking out because bregman well bregman i got max fried now fried or freed i'm gonna call him fried <laughs> but, um, but just to get that to try and solidify some pitching because I was taking over a team that kind of um, just because he didn't want to like mess up with the league. He just kind of bowed out ha halfway through, didn't really make any deals and just, you know, he, I have first pick, but you know, the players obviously aren't great, but at the same time, I have some, had some assets to move. I was able to make that trade and make uh trying to shore up my my pitching because i i wanted to make sure that hey i got starting pitching at least and i can go into this draft focus on hitters we've added two more positions is it two more or three two more two more so i might as well gain more confidence in drafting some batters early on and not have to worry about a pitcher even though there are some great pitchers available knowing that I have three guys that I can go in with allows me to at least compete this year and take some risks on guys that Rodon would have been, I guess, a, maybe a second round pick or a first round pick. But the main point is that people are downgrading them because of the move injury risk. You never know what's going to happen, right? It's a, it's a, we talked last week a lot about players that going into their first year with a new team. That's so there's always a risk there. But Frank had mentioned the Giants are a smart organization. Rodon is a great pitcher, and he has great a great opportunity to just be their ace, and I'm ready to take that chance. And I think pitchers are a little bit more weird than hitters. They have way more of a different routine. Like, they're more isolated. They, they People leave them alone. They're kind of like goalies in hockey. People kind of just back off and, 
especially veteran pitchers. They know what they need to do to get ready. So everybody kind of leaves them alone and lets them get into their process and get ready. So for pitchers moving, and especially like Frank said earlier, the Giants have a really good organization, a good track record with fixing little problems and fixing mechanical problems or, or whatever they see fit. So uh, the boost, San Francisco was a very good landing spot for them. And I think that that, as a result, really helped tie this trade together. Yeah, I want to add one. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Well, basically, I was just going to quickly say that without Rodon, this wouldn't have happened because I'm not a big Gallo fan, but at the same time, I understand his value in an OBP league enough where I'd rather, because you offered me a Brayu. Yeah. And I said, I honestly would prefer a higher pick because I don't have much in terms of picks. I'd rather get like a little bit more of an upgrade there, there and get Gallo, who is good in an OBP league. So I'd rather have that. Because like I said, my hitters aren't great to have a guy that just dominates a category in home runs. Yeah, you know, he's going to hit close to 40 home runs, right? Like it's he's like Frank said, it's a virtual lock, especially in New York and especially in the position that he's in in New York. Yeah. And that gives you that boost because now you can compete with teams that have so much power. Like I just want to get by. Like I told you, my pitching is going to have to carry me. I'm just going to try to build a team around that because I know that I don't have the best keepers. I'm facing you have Vladdy Tatis. Like there's a lopsided in keepers. So I have to kind of, that's always a risk when you come into a team and take over a team because the person who's leaving a pool, like we mentioned off the top, that's everyone has a lot of passion. If you're leaving, you kind of didn't give a a shit. So, you know, you're taking over kind of a bad team. So you kind of have to make, I understand where you're coming from too. You kind of have to make moves and, and fix the problem areas that the guy who didn't have any passion left behind. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I like what you what you said about balancing out your pitching. I want to add because Zach Wheeler, he's a stud. He's considered like coming into spring training. He was considered close to a top five fantasy starting pitcher this year. But then he there was reports he's a little bit banged up uh, and he might not be ready for opening day, which it doesn't sound serious. But obviously you want to have some insurance there. And you did that with Rodon, who, if he's healthy, he could really give you high-end production. And Max Fried is a popular breakout candidate uh, this year. Like he's he's got good control. He's got a he's got great stuff. A lot of people think that he can increase his strikeout rate. That um, his basically his results in terms of strikeouts don't fully match how good his stuff can be. So we could see an improvement there, and that would really help his value take off even further and of course he plays for a world series contender the defending world series champs and the braves so now you have three pitchers to keep and then you got uh bregman or rosarena and gallo so you instead of we're coming in you had all these third basemen now it's a much more balanced roster uh you know you got rosarena as a 2020 threat he did that in his first full season last year it's great to have those uh multi-cat contributors that power speed profile everyone loves uh and then now in the draft with your first overall pick you don't have to really get forced into taking a a position of need like if you were you would have been if you had only one keeper pitcher you might be pushed oh i gotta take a starter now for sure because i only have one keeper pitcher and he's a bit banged up so now you can just go best player available and maybe get that new just stud that could really uh be a part of your of your keepers for the next few years exactly because that's another great point is because 
that was that was a big thing about about the move because first off if i tell you this team you're gonna be like ah that's okay so how do you get that better what trade all my first round picks for superstars or do i take a chance on a guy that is going to be a rookie this year and can blow up we like i remember not having mike trout all those years ago a philadelphia eagle fan and i decided that I didn't want him on my team, so I dropped him, and then someone Tough. else picked him up. Tough. Like, I'll always remember that, right? So, so that's, that's a good recap. I just want to interject, uh, jump in a little bit, because remember, Mike Trout as a rookie wasn't good. So people were still hyping him. And then, of course, looking back, we can't look at it in hindsight now. We have to go through your head at the time. You have this hyped prospect who really struggled in his first year, and you're – you know, you probably needed something to win that particular year and you made the drop. So I just wanted to add that in so it doesn't sound like, oh, why did this guy drop Mike Trout? Well, it makes it did make sense at the time, considering it's a 12-team league. And, you know, we have, like, there's the waiver wire is flush with talent. So it made sense at the time. I just wanted to add that for you. Did I trade him? Or wait, no, you did trade him. You traded him for a first rounder. Yeah, I think you traded him in the. I'm, I think, no. if my memory serves me correctly, you traded him in, in the off season before the, the the or was it right at the trade deadline? Like it was right before he got called up. I had him in a. I think it was either that or like it was one that where I was just I'm not doing this again. It was it was a good lesson. It was a good really good lesson to learn. Yeah, that that's these are the type of things like we talk about now. All these decisions that we make. These are just from experience this is literally yeah. just from oh this happened five years ago so i decided then on that's never happening again so so why don't you tell us and and say like you're talking about a young player here and you're talking about your first overall pick i think what better spot to you know spill the beans than on our the fantasy jones podcast where we're talking our home league in the context of our home league and giving our out player discussion. So why don't you go right in? I don't have a pick in the first two rounds, so uh, it doesn't matter really, but I'm excited for this reveal of who's going first overall in our home I think league. you should. Yeah. Okay. So I think the, the best. Do we got to get a drum roll. Should I put the. Yeah. I can have. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Why not? Because of all the, we have again, six keepers. So the draft really starts in the seventh round. That's right. So having first pick, really, you're going to get guys like Sandy Alcantara is there. I love Sandy. I'm so mad I didn't draft him last year. I'll be honest with you guys. Right? Uh, Simeon, Goldschmidt. There's some top-end talent there. But when I see a guy like Bobby Witt Jr. This guy? When I see a guy that's a shortstop, might move to third base. Dual eligibility. Hey, if he doesn't do good in his first year, so you trade what? him to me. It's fine. Don't exactly. Worry. I'll trade him for a first again. Why not? Anyway, start the process over again. Uh, to give some backstory to this, I'm always a fan of getting a of getting a star caliber shortstop. I did it with Trey Turner when I had him all those years ago. Uh, Correa. Again, even before that, obviously. And now it just feels this is the new generation of the giant sticks. Some might even say that that's your fantasy Jones. 
Yeah, see, I really drones when everything falls into place like this in my fantasy leagues. Nice. It's like it was meant to be. Like it, and we, you know, you know, having to come back and to get this pick and to be ha- like, here's this player that's a shortstop. I feel if I didn't take him, my goodness. I probably would not be able to sleep at night if he did well. I love Bobby Wood Jr. I I had him on my team last year, but uh, like I said, I was in first and I was trying to make the. I was trying to uh, finish first in the league, so I dropped him right before the playoffs because I needed the roster spot, and I regret it because oh. I love Bobby Wood Jr. He's incredible, and uh, I have the other. I have two of the other top juniors in the league. I have uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Fernando Tatis Jr. And so uh, if I can get all the juniors on my team, if I can um, uh, accumulate all the juniors, I'd be very happy. But that's a nice pick. I like that. What do you think, Frank? All right. So before I get into the pick, I just want to add some context why you would drop someone like Bobby Witt in a keeper league. Well, of course, you only keep six players. So you you might not always keep a player like Bobby Witt, who you at the time might not have known he would come up right away the following year. Also, our moves limit our our moves are limited each week to I believe it's four. Is it four or three? I think we moved it to four. So four moves per week. Imagine it's a head-to-head league. You're trying to win a you're trying to win a championship. You're trying to get that uh, win the prize, prize pool. Yeah. And then you have a, a a player taking up a roster spot that could be used to stream a pitcher and help you win that matchup. Yeah. It makes exactly. perfect sense why you would have dropped him. So just want to add that, add that in for you. On to Bobby Witt. It's just a picture-perfect fit for you. Number one, you're taking over a team that mm. where the player just didn't give a shit, like Dan said, like Hammy said, and he didn't really make big trades. He didn't improve his team. So you're coming in to a tough situation. It's going to be tough for you to win it all in the first year. So that means... You want you want that infusion of young talent. You want that upside for that superstar shortstop, which you're getting here in Bobby Witt Jr., 21 years old, top prospect in baseball. Last year in AAA, he hit 17 home runs with 15 steals and only 285 plate appearances. Yeah, he That's came like up a... late last year to AAA. No, no, he this was him. this was AAA, but but um, no, I'm saying he's got... he, he, he didn't start oh, did in AAA last year. Oh, sorry. My mistake. My mistake. Yeah. yeah so in, even in double A, he, he was hitting 16 home runs and 14 yeah. steals. This is like a legit 30-30 threat. So, so you're getting a future stud. And to, to uh, add more positivity to this pick, Bobby Witt Jr. in high stakes redraft leagues, meaning it's only for one year. It's not like he, they're keeping him for multiple years. He goes 84th overall, and that's just in a one-year league. So this is a smash. If we were starting, if we were starting our keeper from, from a fresh slate this year in a draft, Bobby Witt is likely going in the top two rounds, maybe top three, maybe even higher. Who knows? Because that's how much upside he has. Looks like he's starting from day one. Uh, you the thing is the risk early on is maybe. His on-base percentage won't be that great because he's a young hitter. He might strike out more, or, you know. But then again, look what Wander Franco did last year. He only struck out like 13% of the time. So when we're talking about mega prospects like this, you just never know how good they'll be. They might even totally explode just like Fernando Tatis did in his rookie season. 
So it's a no-brainer for you. you. This is a smash home run pick, and uh, I give you A-plus marks for, for making it. I agree. And like you said, just to jump off of that point, he's starting. A t- he's taking over a team, so he's starting basically fresh. And what better way to add a young, massive, exploding prospect to your team for the upside for your fantasy Jones moving forward? And you brought up Wander Frankel's name for my second point. I think Bobby Witt Jr. is better than what uh, – Wander Franco. I think he has much more upside. Like I said, I had him for a long time last year. Just I was trying to stash him, maybe keeping him before I dropped him. And I would watch him in AAA. And I was because Mondesi wasn't playing well. So and then Mondesi came up. So they were talking about moving him positionally, like you said, moving him over to third base, which is most likely what looks like it's going to happen. So with the multiple positions and the massive prospect, I think you're doing very well by taking him first overall. I want to, oh, go. Sorry. I just want to say something about Wander Franco versus Witt. But do you want to go and then I'll add it? No, go ahead. Okay. I want to, I want to say what you mean about how Bobby Witt you think is much better than Wander Franco. From a fantasy point of view, you could be, you could wind up being right. And that's just because of the speed. Bobby Witt has consistently stolen bases at a high rate in the minor leagues. The Royals love to run wild on, wild on the base pass. You know, you see it with Whit Merrifield stealing like 40 bases. You see it with Adalberto Mondesi running like a maniac. Even Nicky Lopez runs, Michael Taylor. So this kid can just run wild from the get-go, right, when he joins the big leagues. So I, I, don't, I don't push back too hard on that Whit over Franco uh, point. But then again, Franco, could he'll need to improve, like run – steal more bases to really unlock his full ceiling, but he's, he's a really advanced hitter. And from a real life standpoint, it's it might be Franco a bit better as a hitter overall, but Witt because of the speed it's, and he does have more power, Bobby Witt. So it'll be interesting to see both of them play this year. I'm, I'm so excited. This is like, I'm, this is exactly what I needed to get right back into the pool. Yeah. 100%. Just so I had that guy, you know, losing, giving up like Trey Turner and Jordan Alvarez was, was tough. Like it was, you know, those were very, very quick moves. Like we talk about how our competitive our league is to get those players I'm speaking of was very like, okay, let's go. Like this was pre Twitter Frank days. Like this is (laughs) Trey Turner got called up and like I got him. Right. So it's kind of, you get that connection too with the guy because you you scraped and clawed your way to get this keeper, right? And now to kind of know that, all right, I can start with a, a shortstop again and I can start building my team similar similarly to what I had in mind prior beforehand, and it'll help me get back into the groove easier. That's yeah. uh I'm excited. Yeah, what's the fun, what's the most fun part about fantasy baseball or any fantasy sport for that matter in a keeper league? The funnest part is having that young stud right from his rookie year and watching him grow and just being great at the game. And that's what you could have with wit. So, uh, yeah, I love the pick. Yeah, and, and I already had, I think, three three calls for the first round, first overall pick. And I think everybody's going off to Bobby Witt Jr., to be honest. Yeah, Everybody who's calling you for that pick is looking probably to draft Bobby Witt Jr. Just for exactly what you guys are saying, which is, in our league, to have a young prospect with the amount of impact that Bobby Witt can have 
you're it's it's a love affair you're gonna have a love affair from the beginning of this guy's career and you can hold him for 10 years and just watch him be one of the best players in the league on your team and hopefully win some money in your fantasy pool exactly that's what we all hope for but we were talking about another trade beforehand frank you wanted to talk about uh, a little trade oh yeah a trade that i made I wanted to talk about it. I made it. I made a trade for a keeper this week. So to just some review, I have Juan Soto, Kyle Tucker, Byron Buxton, Jazz Chisholm, Scott McClanahan as keepers. And I was thinking of, of uh, retaining Luis Castillo, but I was start, starting to get turned off with him. You know, and I have a first round pick. I've seen the pitchers available and some of them I prefer over Castillo. And, you know, Casile could be erratic at times. We saw it last year. He loses control. His walk rate's too high. He has those blow-up outings. I just kind of lost my Jones for him. So I see that there's a young player available by the name of Jonathan India. And now, as you mentioned, we added middle infield to our uh, roster construction meaning that that adds some more value to second baseman and shortstop because now we have to start another one. Well, we look at Jonathan India. I, I made a trade for him. I traded a mid-round pick because at this time, close to the draft in our league, a lot of these keepers, because it's, the, it's either going to be you trade them or you get nothing for them, so you can get them at a cheap price. So I did with India. Now we look at him. Last year was his first full season in the big leagues this is a former top prospect who took a while. He's a late bloomer. And in his first season, he had 21 home runs with 12 steals, but he gets a bump in OBP leagues because look at as a first year player, 11.3% walk rate. He's got great plate discipline. And often if a young player shows that right away, it's likely only going to be better. So what if he gets that walk rate to 13, 14%? That OBP could be great. And he's got that 20 plus homer power with a bit of speed. Now you look at what he did down the stretch in the second half, he really started to improve his power. Uh, I believe after I'm pulling it up after the all-star break, he hit 15 of his 21 home runs. So this could just be the case of a young player finding his groove as, as the first year of his career goes on, gets adjusted to big league pitching, and he's just improving. And we saw that in the second half. Now, a drawback with India, people could say, well, you know, the Reds stink. They just got rid of Jesse Winker. They just got rid of Eugenio Suarez, and, and they didn't sign Nick Castellano. So that lineup is weak. Well, the thing is, India's cemented in that leadoff spot. They still have guys like Joey Votto, uh, you know, Tyler Naquin has some power, but because he hits in the leadoff spot and he's a good hitter in his own right, he's going to get on base regardless of the guys behind him. He'll still have solid run production and maybe he could hit 25 home runs with 15 steals and good OBP. And of course, we all know that the Reds home ballpark is a total band box where home run where the ball flies out of the park. So you, India has got, hey, you never know, he could approach 30 home runs. So I like making that move, even though I got rid of a pick and that makes me uh, leave Castile to the draft, especially now Castile's dealing with, I believe, a shoulder injury. So that was a move I made. And if you're in an OBP league, I'd really suggest targeting Jonathan India just because of the plate discipline I mentioned. If it's an average league, obviously you could still go for him. Like he hit 269, he doesn't strike out much, but he does get a bump in the OBP format. 
nah. I don't like it. I don't like the move. I, I, I think that there was definitely better out there. I think that uh, he's going to run into the sophomore slump this year. And I think it's going to be exacerbated by the fact that the Cincinnati Reds, they're not having the same mojo and the same uh, love for trying to win. They got they just got rid of one of their best players in Jesse Winker. And I know uh, Eugenio Suarez wasn't doing what he's supposed to do, but he was still providing protection for India. So even though you said that he's, they still have guys batting behind them like Votto, who's uh, not the same Votto we know and love, even though he hit 36 and almost hit 100 RBI last year, I think losing protection does hurt these guys. And, you know, in, in Cincinnati in the summer, I've been to the great, I think it's called Great American Ballpark. Actually, can I just drop in a funny story that I have in Cincinnati? Yeah. It's with Hall of Famer Dusty Baker. Wow. I have uh, my brother and I took a baseball road trip one year. And one of the stops was Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati. And I had um, I had a glove that I wanted to get signed. And we got there early trying to catch out uh, home runs in the outfield. Like I was 10 years old, even though I was like 21. But uh, so we go to the dugout and Dusty's out there for batting practice. And so uh, I'm kind of hanging over the dugout and Dusty's in the dugout. And I go, hey, Dusty uh like, like i'm like a little kid i'm like hey dusty uh please can i get a can i get an autograph and he's so he's, he's like yeah sure no problem buddy and so he puts his hands out and like i'm i'm trying to hand him the glove instead of throwing it and this is what he says to me you ready he goes just throw it i got a gold glove <laughs> and i was like oh my God, i can't believe dusty baker just said that to me that's incredible <laughs> i fucking love dusty baker what a gem a, what anyway, a one-liner that is oh man i'll never forget it for the rest of my life i loved it but anyway, getting back to Great American Ballpark in the summer, the balls do fly out of there. So I know what you're saying about OBP. He's going to get his runs because he's going to be at the top of the lineup and he's going to get his RBI. But I feel like the sophomore slump is going to dampen that along with him losing protection in the lineup. Uh, maybe people aren't going to pitch to him anymore because he's their only good hitter. He's one of their only good hitters. So I feel like there, there were better players that you could have taken off of other people's teams that they weren't keeping. But this is just a spot where I feel like uh, because you love steals a lot and he's got a good OBP and he's going to hit home runs. You went with, uh, with Jonathan India, which like I said, I would not have went with, but Hey, I hear what you're saying. I'm just the guy who goes with his gut. You know what I mean? That's I hear what right you're, there. I hear what you're saying in the sense that coming into last year, you know, India went really late in the draft. Uh, let's say you were in a redraft. I remember he was going super late. He was last like, a round dart. Almost. yeah, he was going like, he was like a dart throw. Yeah. Uh, but so that kind of always brings out, brings about some pessimism because he came out of nowhere pretty much, but, That's fair. but Hey, like he looked great. I know what you're saying. Like he came out of nowhere, but he did look great. There's always a risk of a sophomore slump, but I felt that given that it was so close to the draft and I didn't give up like too high of a draft pick, it was worth a, a shot for me to take. And now I got my, uh, second base and shortstop. Uh, locked in with India and Chisholm and Jazz Chisholm is another hitter who you can say gets a bump in an OBP league. I'll get to him. I'll close the door on India and then I'll get to Chisholm just because it's a nice segue to continue our player discussion. Yeah, India, I do agree with what you're saying. If your lineup is really bad, it could affect your your protection. But my what I was trying to point towards is that 
they're still going to, I don't think they'll be in the bottom, like the bottom five, bottom 10 in terms of runs scored just because of that ballpark. Uh, and Joey Votto changed the way he swings. So he's hitting more home runs now. So he can help give some protection, but I get what you're saying. We'll see what happens with India. But to go with Jazz Chisholm, just a little point I want to make is that in OBP leagues, he's better because he had a walk rate over 10% throughout the minors. He's got a, some pretty decent plate discipline. So you don't get as impacted as his average where he had 248 last year because of a 28% strikeout rate, which helps you out because this is a player who can go 20-20 no problem. So now I get, in my eyes, with my two middle infielders, I have two 2020 threats, which was something I, obviously you want to target power and speed. That's that's a great combination. And, I, and I'm liking my middle infield with those two. I like how you set up your team with, even though it's it's rel- relatively young, they're, they're, proven, they're proven options, especially like at the top, obviously you got Soto and Tucker, but like, you know, Buxton. And adding those two young middle infielders kind of goes in line with your other hitters that earlier on that, you know, you might have taken at a young age to kind of build and mold and kind of like recycle the team. So I like I like the idea here where you have proven guys. So you said, hey, these guys are already proven. Sure, they're a little bit younger than other people would uh, expect for like a veteran, especially like Soto and but hey, they're proven, so I can take a chance on Chisholm and, and India and have that middle infield locked up, especially with the extra spot in our pool. Yeah. I'm just looking at your keepers now, Frankie. Everybody can hit 20, 25 home runs, and everybody can steal you know, 10, 20, 25 stolen bases. I see where you're going for here, but I see a lot of I, Buxton. I, I think I had him a couple years ago. Guy gets injured every single time. Yeah, he's he one plays, of the most polarizing players. But go ahead, finish. He is for sure. If he plays, and with the additions that they've made in the offseason, and everybody coming back healthy, like he could be one. Like his ceiling is very high, but his floor is very low. So guys like that, you know, it's boomer bust basically. Now you're talking. You're you're in boomer bust territory. Uh, Jazz. Uh, Jazzy Jeff, he's he's definitely boomer bust. I'll agree. He's with another you. one who's yeah. boomer bust. Huge boomer but bust. these guys, if they boom, you know, you can win the league with these guys. Like the the, yeah. the amount of home runs and the amount of steals that they get in a week. Plus, you have guys like Tucker who are safe, as safe as it comes, and Soto with his OBP and home runs and everything else. Like if they boom, you're gonna win every single week because of your keepers. But if they bust, you're gonna be you're gonna be on that free agent train looking for your next pickup with a bunch of home runs and steals. It's also like he did the opposite of what I was looking to do. But because he has obviously more well-known players, he's going all out on hitters and go straight into the draft saying, I'm going to just take his whatever pitchers are available, see who's here. Like you said, with Castillo, there's guys there that you like more than Castillo anyway. So why not just let him go? And who knows? Realistically, people will probably take Castillo ahead of you anyway. So yeah. now yeah, Castillo's... That's a thought process you have to put into consideration, right? yeah. And now you can get one of those pitchers you see in free agency because you allowed one of your players that you didn't really want to just go back into the free agent pool. Well, and, what, and you know, well, and you know, with our pool, it'd be like, hey, you know, this guy was on Frank's team last year, so 
you know, maybe he Frank knows something that we don't. Yeah, yeah that's right? that's always a part of it. Everyone's always like, yeah, I even have that. I I'm like, well, Frank likes him. Like he's got to be good. The guy knows everything that's happening. He's he's got to be something. So I'll look into it. But just to piggyback off of what you were saying with putting a player back in that you don't really care about, I was thinking of putting in Jose Abreu back in because I like I really like Anthony Rizzo this year. I think he's going to crush it. I think he's he's definitely undervalued for the amount of value that he's going to give you on your fantasy team. So I was thinking of putting. Jose Abreu back into the draft so that I can draft a first baseman later on in Rizzo and still keep someone else. But just based on the trade that we made with Gallo and Rodon, I felt like I lost too much. So I, I put him back on my keeper list, but it's a good point that you make of like, like you were saying about Castillo, putting a pitcher back in that you're not really high on and you're looking to draft a pitcher that maybe you like better. So somebody might be super high on Castillo. Right. And as a result with your lower pick, you can pick up the guy that you're looking for. Yeah, exactly. I, I thought, like, given that in India's one first one season in the bigs, uh, he would probably go higher in the draft because people are saying, oh, this guy's young and he did that well already. So there's a better chance that Castillo would have. I mean, there was a better chance that India wouldn't have fallen to me. And he was a player that after I read up a little more on him and I saw his overall uh, production that I that I really started to want. And yeah, that's it's it's a good move to uh, try to what we, what you were saying about Abreu. If you always like, if you like a player at the same position later on, that's always a tiebreaker when deciding between two players. Like if uh, let's say, let's say you're in a, a redraft league or let's say we started over and you're in um, I'm going to say it here. Okay. I'm going to give you an example. Let's say that you are debating between Kyle Tucker and Louis Robert in the first round and Ozzy Albies is there too. And you're picking in the second last pick of the first round. So you like Tucker and you like Robert. What you could do in that case is just take Albies who's solid in his own right and hope that one of the outfielders fall to you. It's just sort of like playing the board and thinking of how it, it might play out because there's two outfielders that you love. Why don't you just take a chance and hope that since in that example, it's only one pick behind you that they might fall. One of them might fall you and, and the person picking behind you will make the decision for you. So it's always a, if you have two players or multiple players in a similar tier, like you hold them in the same high regard, it's always good to just try to address another position that you like. As long as you like that player too, you're not going to just take someone just for the sake of getting another position. But you know what I mean? It's just playing the the chips. We're trying to uh, optimize how good your team is by maybe hoping some player will fall to you. Yeah, I do that. I do that basically in every draft, in every sport. That's a, That's something that I abide by a lot. Like if I see guys, I usually like if I'm high on one guy and then there's another guy, like you said, that's in the same tier. I'll let the other player make the, I'll let other managers make the decision for me and I'll grab something else that I need. And then um, it's like, I'm letting the universe decide, okay, you know what? That means that Jose Breu is going to fall to me because that's what the universe wants. So it's a little bit uh, less scientific and stats driven like yours, Frank. Uh, but that's just kind of something how I've always operated. It's and, smart. Uh, it's a good strategy to have. Like, I think we're coming at it from two different perspectives, but it's basically, it seems like a good practice. Like, uh, you know, we've always been in the top of our league and I feel like we have similar ideas of what's happening, but we come at it from different angles. And that's why, like I said before, our league is very 
it's an interesting we got an interesting bunch it's a very interesting bunch of managers who have different ideas but everybody has the passion and the fantasy jones yeah one even makes trades while smoking on a tractor so oh boy that's uh... i'm glad we brought in screws that guy is i love that guy yeah hopefully <laughs> we'll get his tractor riding ass on the podcast and uh, oh yeah he said he wanted to come on. I wanted to do the draft from the barn. I said, take out the, you can let the horses out. We'll put tables in the middle of the barn and we'll just sit there and we'll, we'll do the draft right there. Everybody bring their Wi-Fi repeaters and we can do a nice draft right in the center of the barn. Such a great idea. Be live, live in the barn. The barn is now burning. <laughs> <laughs> so should we do, maybe we should, uh, list off our keepers i know frank did it already do you want to list off did you did you list off your full keeper list i have uh yeah you did he did i did i did okay so i'm the only one left okay yeah so they're like we, we were talking about before the air and auto trade and you guys alluded to the or you brought up the fact not alluded to but you brought up the fact that the corner infield position was added this year as well as the middle infield position so two positions were added so that also played into a factor with my nolan Arenado trade so these are my six keepers this year. I have Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Fernando Tatis Jr., who loves riding on motorcycles. <laughs> and then I have Jose Abreu, which I spoke about already. And another player who got traded this, this or sorry, he signed a new deal this offseason in Trevor Story, who's now moving from shortstop to second base, which gives me even more flexibility. So we have Vladimir, just to recap, we have Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Fernando Tatis Jr., Jose Abreu, Trevor Story, Nolan Arenado, who's another infielder. So I have five. And my one pitcher is a homer pitcher in Jose Barrios. Now, like you guys were saying before, you guys are looking for good hitters. I'm going to be looking for good pitchers in our draft coming up because I, I, went, I went the opposite direction. I zigged when everyone zagged. And I have five hitter keepers and one pitcher keeper. Yeah, Uh I want to, I'll, I'll go, your keepers are stupid stacked. Uh, it's such a shame that Fernando Tatis has gotten that serious injury because your keepers are unreal. That, that's a huge hit. It's just ridiculous. You would have had a guy in Tatis who goes top three in regular drafts. You would have had Vlad who goes like top five to seven. Story goes in the second round. That's just a ridiculously talented team. I want to uh, speak to the fact that Drafting Tatis this year, if you're in a one-year league, you don't want to be waiting on a player who, um, you know, could be out for like four months. But it's in a roto league, I'd, I'd try to avoid him if it's a one-year one year league. But if it's a head-to-head -head and it's still a one-year format, it's more easy to draft a guy like Tatis because often you'll have an IR spot where you can just stash him away there. And because it's head-to-head, head head, you're playing week by week. So it's not like you're going to fall behind in, in all the stats uh, in a roto format. So it's way easier to take a guy like Tatis there. And I want to just add one thing. I think Jose Brios is going to really take off this season, working with Pete Walker, Jay's pitching coach. He's helped so many pitchers really find their groove. I've, I believe I mentioned it on the podcast, talked about how he helped Robbie Ray and Steven Matz. Now it's Jose Barrios and Kevin Gosman's turn. And Barrios, I think, even though he's your number one, I think that he is going to be an ace this year and he'll be a top 15 fantasy pitcher. So I really like that. 
what what round does he go around, Frankie? Like what uh, what pick uh, are we talking so about? So he goes. Uh, he goes. I think in the. Let me just see here. I'm gonna just find it real quick. He goes around the fifth round, fifth or sixth. Okay. He, people are high on him. He he. You know, every year he gives you volume. Like he gives. He goes deep. He goes like 180 innings. He's got good stuff. It just feels like he could strike out a little more batters and maybe working with a great pitching coach like P Walker, it can bring out more of a strikeout rate out of him. And of course he's going to always be in line for wins on that stack Jays team. So love, love burials, love him. And I do like the fact that he had a, a bit of a, a soft landing by coming in last year Yeah, already. So point. he kind of knows all the coaches and he knows his way around. Plus he fits in very well. He's around the perfect age. He's a, he's a vet, he's young, but he's already a vet in the league, and he's around the perfect age for this young Blue Jays roster. And uh, the, you can see it even just on social media and just looking at on from the uh, from watching on TV. They have this camaraderie that they they really like what they're doing, and they seem to the Blue Jays organization seems to grab players who really want to play and want to get better and want to play for each other. So he fits in very well with the culture that they have there. And like you said, as an ace. I think everybody's projecting pretty good results from this year, especially with the added defense that the Jays brought in. And the Jays are in a two-year window right now where they want to win. So they're trying to give them every advantage they can. And just watching what Pete Walker's done with pitchers like Steven Matz and Robbie Ray, who won the Cy Young last year. I, I understand that the hype for Brio. So I'm pretty happy that I have him on my team and he's not uh, on someone else's team. Yeah, I want to add one thing. Isn't it great that they got him signed to that huge deal before the season? Now he can go with a clear mind. It's not like that's lurking in the background, thinking about where he's going to be next year. He knows he's here for the long haul. And everyone talks, we always talk about stats and whatever and and, and tangible things like that. But there's a human element to it. And that, having that long-term deal probably gives him a clear mind and maybe – you know, you feel good, you pitch good. So it's going to be exciting to see what he could do. Well, I feel good about having the Jays uh, superstar young hitter in Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And their ace of the staff in Jose Barrios as a Toronto based out of Toronto here. We're watching all that. We're watching most of their games anyway. So it's nice to be watching your keepers on TV every night. So I'm very happy and excited for the season as well. Oh, we, yeah. should, uh, we should probably let everybody know. Dan, when did you get Fernando Tatis and Vladdy? Oh, these are, this is the Fernando Tatis story is a funny one because I think it was three years ago. He hadn't played in the major leagues yet. Um, we'll, we'll start with Fernando and then we'll go to, uh, we'll go to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. So Fernando Tatis, I remember Frank, I had um, Joey Votto as my keeper that year. This was the year that Fernando oh. Tatis came up. And I thought, you know what? I'm not really, I had Joey Votto for a couple of years now and he helped me win in 2016, which he had a monster year, Joey Votto. But uh, he was starting, I felt like he was starting to go on the decline. So I made a controversial trade at the time and I traded a 10th round pick in our, in our upcoming draft in 2019 for Fernando Tatis and I dropped Joey Votto. And I just remember hearing the jeers from everybody else in the pool. They're like, what is this guy doing? Like you've lost your mind. You dropped the guy who's hitting 30 home runs with an amazing OBP for a guy who's never played before. What's the matter with you? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I just took a chance on him that. and it, it worked out marvelously for me. And uh, obviously aside from the injuries that he seems to be accumulating, but 
I, I like that one, Fernando Tatis Jr. And then I added another junior, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I had really bad picks one year. And this was before, for, uh, sorry, before Vladimir Guerrero came up. And I had bad picks. And I just, I took him higher because he's on the Blue Jays. And uh, his father was my favorite baseball player of all time growing up, watching Vladimir Guerrero Sr. play. He really inspired me to love the game of baseball, just his tenacity at the plate. Like he's hitting balls that bounce. He's just watching him in that Angels uniform, hitting balls into those rocks. It really, in my formative years of watching baseball, it really sparked and ignited the love of baseball for me. So when his son was a top prospect on my home team on the Toronto Blue Jays, I just I went a little crazy that year and I drafted him pretty high. And uh, as they say, the rest was history. Well, I want to give you some credit because I ripped on you at that time. And at that time, I realized looking back is that one of the blind spots in the way I went about fantasy baseball in our home keeper league is I would just be too fixated on winning. Now I didn't totally look at the big picture there. And the big picture was, yeah, you reached on Vlad jr. Who at the time in that particular draft was avert was pretty much guaranteed. He wasn't going to come up that season. It's just, you were like, you know what? I'm willing to do this and just stash him for a full year. I think I could, remain comp competitive even while doing so so why not and you did that and then it's paid dividends he's a monster and then you did it again with Tatis Jr like you mentioned and coming into that spring it was it was right after you know Vlad Jr was uh, held in the minors really long and everyone was like watch Tatis isn't going to be up until August or July and then the Padres shocked everyone and brought him up from day one so you got him right away and it's just really like now your keepers are the best in the league and you're going to be contending for a championship pretty much every year with those two, because think about it. Are they, do you ever see Vlad jr or Tatis unless they get injured falling out of the first two rounds or even the top 10 picks? I don't. So it kudos to you. Well, you know what it goes back to? It goes back to a conversation we were having earlier with Carlos's first pick this year. He's going to go with Bobby Witt Jr. When you have, when the, like, and, and to piggyback off of what you said, when you're in win now mode, you don't really want to take the risks and hold on to players like I did with Bobby Witt Jr. I dropped him last year. You, you're, when you're, when you have a bad team, though, in contrast, you're willing, you're more willing to take long shots and risks. And sometimes they pay off and sometimes they don't. So, my fantasy advice would be if your team is really good and you're in win, win now mode, try and make moves that will satisfy that. But if your team, if you know your team isn't going to win, then draft a guy like Bobby Witt Jr., who you know, like you said, in the next 10 years, is he going to fall out of the first or second round? Probably not. So you, you stamp that cornerstone player onto your team, and then you can start building and worrying about other stuff later. And I know I said this a few times. We all have different in our home league. We all have different approaches on how we want to do things. So some teams are in win now mode and some teams aren't. So you can really take advantage of, like you said before, blind, Frank, blind spots in people's uh, decision-making skills because everyone's keepers are different. Everyone's looking for different positions. So you can kind of exploit it in different ways if you're really on top of it. Absolutely. Yeah, getting that's why Bobby Witt Jr. to the moon. To the moon. I'm excited for you. Yeah, well, I'm excited just in general. If you want to send the junior over here, 
I'll be happy to take on another junior on my team, another mid mid or sorry, another infield junior onto my team. I, I would welcome it. We'll just put it that way. What was that Eddie Murphy movie? Was it Eddie Murphy or yeah, Eddie Murphy, uh, daddy daycare. Yeah. That's what you are. I just have all the juniors. <laughs> yeah. Daddy daycare. <laughs> I, mean, I, I do want to, I do want to say one thing I tried for the last couple of years. I've been trying to trade for Ronald Acuna junior. And I finally got a counter proposal to the proposals that I had been offering and um, the counter proposal, if you can believe it, was a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> our just for context, our league entry is two hundred and fifty dollars, and he wanted a hundred thousand dollars. So if I won the pool every year for the next fifty-five years, then I would pay off Ronald Acuna Jr. So I, I don't know. That seemed like a little that, bit of an overpay for me. That's how much uh, he makes people love him. He's just a monster, forty-forty threat every year. I want to just say one thing before we wrap it up, because I want to go back to what you said about Byron Buxton. And I want to I've been hyping up this bet the last week or two. And I have to say it on the podcast because you you mentioned Buxton. So I can't go without being on the mic without saying it to hopefully help someone else and put this bet in. I'm going to tell you what it is. It's Byron Buxton to win AL MVP because it is 50 50 to one on bet three, six, five on other spots. It might be 40 to one, but on there it's 50 to one. So let me tell you, that means on a $10 bet, you're going to win $500 if he wins MVP. So it's 50 times your wager. Now I'll tell you why I like Buxton to have a chance. Number one, last year, he showed a ton of growth as a hitter. He had a 405, uh, 419, Woba, which is elite. That's like Mike Trout level. I'm not saying he's going to do that for a full year, but he was just killing it. He had 19 home runs, nine steals, and only 61 games. Now, I know nowadays, you know, with the analytics really taking over, a lot of the uh, process in choosing MVP is looking at their war, their wins above replacement. Okay, well, Byron Buxton, not only could he hit last year, not only could he steal bases, but his defense is elite. Like, it's ridiculously elite. You see him make these highlight reel catches all the time, which leads me to his war. His war was 4.2 last year in only 61 games. That's like an amazing war, like a Mike Trout level war is 10. So if he plays 61 and he only had 4.2, what would that look like if he played at that level in 150 games? It might look at like nine and that's MVP caliber. Last point I'm going to make is that the Twins really improved their team, signing Carlos Correa, trading for Sonny Gray. If in the off chance that they're contending and Buxton stays healthy, he's firmly in play to win MVP. So 50 to 1, it's worth a sprinkle. Put 5 to 10 bucks on it. I like that bet. And it kind of goes to what we were saying before. His ceiling is super high. So like you said, with the additions that they made this year, and there it looks like they will. I mean, they spent a lot of money on Korea this year. They have Sano there. They brought in Sonny Gray. They're they're making moves to make that to insulate Buxton to have a great year. We said the ceiling was super high, but the floor is also low. You brought up the fact that he only played a few uh, 61 games, I think you said last year to get that 4.2 war. Yeah. You know, how many games can you pencil him in for? That's I think yeah, that's the that's thing. Why that's part of why the odds are so high, exactly. uh, I, but I, 
but for but for what he could do if you just i mean it's worth the risk at 50 to 1 at 50 to 1 you you put a couple doll hairs on that i think that's a very good bet though all in all i have an idea okay you should make this bet oh no and then at the end of the year i already did things that you receive from it hopefully (laughs) upwards of around 80 to a hundred thousand dollars you should trade for ronald acuna there you go oh man i don't want to i don't want to be rooting for anybody on frank's team but at a hundred thousand dollars at 50 to one i'd have to put in two thousand dollars on this bet and i can buy ronald acuna hey that's uh should i do it frank frank how much are you putting on it no so you put on a couple units like one, one unit. Oh, one unit. I, no, one, I not, all you need is one unit. No, like for me, it's you're not going to put if you're putting, let's say I'll give dollar figures. Let's say your standard bet, because we're not like we're not crazy here putting thousands on one bet or hundreds on one bet. Let's say no. you put let's say your regular bet is between 30 to 50 dollars. Let's say you like let's say you like the Jays to win against the Yankees at home one night. You did a straight bet. It might be. 30 to 50 dollars let's say so a bet like this with buxton you're not going to put what you would on a straight bet because it's a long shot so you sprinkle it like if you put 50 on a regular standard bet put maybe 10 bucks on this buxton one because of course it's a low chance of it happening but the chance of it the chances of it happening are greater than what the odds uh, imply so it's it's insignificantly greater, I would argue. So it's worth a bet. I don't know. I kind of like Carlos's idea. See? <laughs> Go for gold, baby. To the moon. <laughs> to the moon. 2K on a 50 to 1. I'll buy a Kuna. No problem. Bring him over. Yeah, fuck GameStop. <laughs> fuck it. Oh, that's another one. That's a, that's a story for another time, I think. Yeah. Well, Save it for the next episode. Exactly. Hopefully, we'll get uh, we'll look into our draft. Maybe even do some sort of a draft live thing going on. But who knows? I think Frank's coming back, too. So hopefully he can come back and we can all do this in studio yep. together. Yeah, I'll be there. Let's do that for sure. Sounds good. All That's right, good, guys. Take care and happy drafting. Good luck with your drafts if you haven't drafted already. And we'll see you guys next time. Ciao. Buona sera. Buona serata. No, sorry. Let me say that again. Buona serata. Buona, buona serata. Good night.